Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County have anything that you know about and you not that you don't even know why you know it but it just seems contrary to who you are that you know about it vikings literally (laughs) (laughs) okay okay because i i had a realization the other day oh yeah I don't think I have ever willingly listened to a Metallica song. <laughs> I like hmm. anytime I've I've heard it, it's just come up in a mix of something else. I'm not really into thrash metal, and I've never like listened to a Metallica album all the way through. And yet, huh. I realized the other day, for no particular reason, I know all of the names of the uh, members of Metallica, at least the classic lineup. Really? You know? Yeah, like, huh. I, I, could t- I could tell you all of their names, and I don't know why I know that. It's just, I somehow absorbed all of that via osmosis. Interesting. But I, re- I-, I cannot stress this enough. I really don't care about Metallica. <laughs> <They're-> yeah. <laughs> I mean, have have you ever had a moment like that? Like, you're like, why do I know this? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> it, I don't, I'm trying to think in like a musical context. I feel like that's happened. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think, I think it's more history for me, if I'm being honest, as kind of like odd as that sounds. Like, I feel like I've just absorbed so many facts about certain mm-hmm. things and I just know them now, like specifically medieval <laughs> history. Cause like, ironically we're doing this series and these, these tours here regarding Vikings. And I know all of it because I picked <laughs> up on it and hyperfixated like two years ago. And like never before though, I used to hate, hate medieval <laughs> history in high school and middle school and, and college. Uh-huh. I hated it. I didn't, uh-huh. I was bored. I didn't want to learn about Jesus. I already did that in Catholic school. I wasn't interested. And all of a sudden I just like got really, <laughs> really into it. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Actually the, like, you know, England has all these different dialects and this is all these crazy things about the Anglo-Saxons and whatever. And people were like, why do you know that? I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no logical thinking behind right, it. Right. Right. But it's it's an interesting thing because you pick up on things that you don't necessarily care a lot about. I think yeah, if you're adjacent to a lot of that stuff, because I'm into a lot of classic rock and, you know, like another example, I think honestly would be like Rush. Mm, okay. Like I, I'm at work the other day. One of my coworkers who, you know, is like, freshly graduated from high school 
right is like i'm gonna try to like i i she's like i really want to rush to come in or like we we really need to rush because our our sales numbers aren't good and i was like wouldn't Mm -hmm. that be really funny if like and you know i make the obligatory (laughs) we need a rush what if getty lee walked through the door right now and she says who because of course why the hell would she care who get and i was like getty lee from rush and she's like what's rush i'm like you've never heard of the band rush it's not even like it's my era like yeah no i haven't it's not it's it's not like rush is an important band to me or my age group i don't even like prog rock that much but you just you feel like you need to know these things because it feels important to know yeah rush i guess yes i'm having this exact same problem because Mm. my sister who's five years younger than me doesn't know any of the classic rock bands and we grew up you know in the same house with the same parents you know forever Mm. essentially now so it's like you know somebody come on like hey hey who's this She'll be like, I don't know. Who is it? And I'm like, how do you not know? Like, it's Jimi Hendrix. How do you not know? It's the Beatles. Why do you not know? And then it's just this, oh, it's this like repeating art, uh, uh, argument of like, how come you don't know the greatest classic songs of all time or whatever? What, am I, what did dad never teach you? Why didn't this happen? I'm like, this is your fault mm. to, my, to my dad in this case. And then I'm like thinking in the back of my head and I'm like, am I old? Like, am I becoming a boomer? in this way <laughs> i don't it's think so, so i hope not I don't it's think so, so concerning well you know because let's be honest as here's here's what i what i think mm-hmm. here we have this idea in our heads that stuff back in the day was made better right um and while i feel like there's a certain idea of quality of things that you know uh either pre uh corporatized things or pre-industrialized things mm-hmm. like you can say like yeah there was a certain quality of craftsmanship to a lot of things i feel like when you're left with well what has lasted the test of time mm-hmm. then the the things of quality are the things that you are still using or talking about or anything so it's not necessarily like this it, it's almost like a preservation bias type of mm. thing that yeah like I, I and this and this is just the way that my brain works i immediately want to apply paleontology to mm. the preservation of cultural artifacts like hard-bodied animals animals with uh either endoskeletons or exoskeletons are going to preserve better because they have hard parts the it's much harder to preserve a jellyfish than it is to preserve a a trilobite or a a really tough skeleton you know Mm, right so you know when we look at buildings that have stood for hundreds of years or like you look at a tool that's in your grandpa's garage that still works after decades and decades it's like the things of quality outlived all of the shitty stuff that was made at that time period Mm, yeah exactly (laughs) so all of the other stuff that was of that was not put together as well be it 
what I'm sure were lots of other movies and music albums and all kinds of things that were made at the time and were pretty much immediately forgotten about. (laughs) Right, right. What you're left with is a bias because Mm. it is the stuff of quality. It is the stuff that... It is the stuff that is almost meant to last. And not, not to say that there aren't things that were like kind of inconsequential and they just had an extended half-life because, you know, for whatever reason, uh, you know, someone spun the roulette wheel and decided, hey, we're all going to remember Kilroy was here for some reason. (laughs) Right, yeah. We're all going to remember this thing and then it's going to show up in Forrest Gump uh, 30 years later. Hmm, true. It's... It's I, I feel like it's a preservation bias. It's it's almost like taphonomy, yeah. you know? You don't want to talk about all the terrible uh music of of a time period when we could talk about the way better music of that period that people exactly. preserved and kept talking about. Yeah, that probably makes the most sense in this situation, I feel like. Yeah. I think I think yeah. that's honestly the answer. Mm-hmm. Um to that question because it's like we get you know music didn't get bad the idea that yeah. the classics were it and that that's the height of music is absurd i think that that was yeah. always, that's always my i hate when people say that because it's just like mm-hmm. what do you mean music like because yeah. you know it's like that conversation we always have where it's like there just yeah. weren't as many bands back then there wasn't as <laughs> yeah. much there but you know yeah it, it's but, or, or just like you know like all of all of the structures that humanity has built that have been made of wood and those fall down or catch on fire eventually exactly and so we're left with the massive stone monuments that you know outlived everything else so you feel like oh well everything at that time must have been made of the utmost quality because we still have this one thing yeah you know exactly you know it's i i think it's very bizarre how we went from um music and to basically what we're talking we're going to be talking about today but i think it actually ends up working as like a perfect metaphor for Um, you know this mm -hmm. kind of discussion into our topic of the vikings um here at the ucm and what we've been discussing not to completely segue on this point because i do think this is very fascinating oh i think i i think i i think i i I brought us off topic first, so let's no. reel it back in. It's all relevant as it goes. Yes. But what I find We're very- going to draw a line today between <laughs> uh, Viking invasion uh-huh. and Rush. There's something Which there. I, There's wait, something wait, there. Rush is, Rush is Canadian. Mm. Canadian, a British colony. Mm. Oh, we're already halfway there, I feel like. Well, Canadians, North America, Vikings in North America see the Vinland tour. I don't know. Oh my God, Something's it's like connected. Six deg- it's six degrees of Leif Erikson. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, but I think it is. It is kind of interesting in talking about this idea of leaving a legacy or only being, only having the strongest things left or the best parts left over yes and then assuming that that's kind of how everything was right Mm -hmm, or this mm -hmm. is kind of what the highlights of it were but there was all this other stuff happening underneath and kind of in and where we've been heading with these tours here and and this being our kind of last installment and and summarizing a lot of the things talked about 
it's been you know we've been following the vikings through who they were what they were doing where did they go you know how far east did they move and so on but then at the same time these kind of different groups and and realizing that you know these pirates these vikingers weren't exactly just like the the image that we see on tv or in or mainstream pop culture or in movies you know it's something a bit more multifaceted and complicated and also just the history we don't entirely understand you know because there's just not a lot mm-hmm. left but also that at the same time you know we're getting this advancement of of meddling from scandinavian countries into european ones and this kind of use of trade as a means of gain over a different country or a different kingdom the involvement Mm -hmm. becomes less about raiding and more about kind of literally building an empire or building a kingdom and uniting people which is so fascinating that this starts to happen with places like norway and denmark and even sweden when well sweden is kind of an exception to this because they already had a pretty unified kingdom beforehand but regardless it's interesting that you know these are places that start as a kind of more nomadic more like clan area mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then unify and kind of or they unify and then start to pull these resources together to kind of negotiate their ways around you know western europe essentially medieval right western yeah europe. It, it's it certainly falls into i think a a very classical idea yeah. of of civilization yeah yeah you 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 start with tribal groups that get continuously more and more organized and for a lot of history that's that's just how we felt like you know that that's that's how we describe civilizations right you know right yeah exactly and i think too like but but with all of this, you know, all of this that's mm-hmm. going on, it's it's not as linear either, right? Like, it wasn't just right, like, yeah. okay, they were here, they're now there, and now they're, you know, ruling in kingdoms and have total control mm-hmm. over England again. It's so much more yeah. push and pull and movement. Um, but where this all kind of brings us to and where I wanted to kind of leave us, or where I wanted to leave us with on this tour and, and in in summarizing just how far and spread out these different groups went to in focusing on a place in western europe but one that we haven't quite touched on yet even though it's really important at this time and that would be Mm. france or what is modern day france but would have been known as frankier at the time and so Mm. with that this is going to be kind of this is going to be a a closer look at the other group of vikings turned christian soldiers and other an ethnic group literally known as the normans ah yeah normans the, did you say mormons or normans because <laughs> those are different those are different i you know what i was picturing i was picturing like just a whole army uh but it's all norm mcdonald's oh that's funny i like that yeah <laughs> it's they're like, oh my god, why are they attacking? And they're like, oh, you know, the light was on. <laughs> and they're like, god damn it, Norm MacDonald! Ah, shakes fists in the air. <laughs> oh my gosh. See, I was like, I, I feel like if Norm, Norm the Norman would be a great character name here. I feel like that would is be that, very what, fitting. Is Norm, is Norm the Norman like Hagar the Horrible's like more refined? <laughs> like, it'd be like his, his like, uh, brother-in-law that's yeah. like you know the uh the the 
he's like kind of jealous of mm, i think so i think so it would be more refined more like oh you still go raiding nowadays <laughs> we've no. settled down and actually have been getting rich off the kings over there have been paying us to defend them whatever that means i feel like that's way too smart it's too snarky it's too joke. Sn- it's, yeah. it's too smart of a joke for Hagar the Horrible. Here's the th- here's the not not to not to keep uh you know trashing uh boomer culture, but <laughs> Hagar the Horrible. Although I don't even know what generation is responsible for Hagar. The I have horrible. no idea. There seems to be an entire segment of newspaper comics, Hagar the Horrible, Sherman's Lagoon, mm. that. That you you take like kind of like a neat idea like oh what if there was a cartoon about a talking shark what if there was a cartoon about a Viking, um but you basically turn it into the Flintstones where it's a sitcom and you're just kind of making <laughs> you're just kind of making I hate my wife jokes yeah but it's funny because a shark why does a shark hate his mother in law. <laughs> Uh, I don't get it. I genuinely don't understand those jokes at all. It's so I think bizarre. I think I just liked Sherman's Lagoon because they were animals. Yeah, that's valid though. I feel like this is why this is why the uh, the complete Dadaism of the Far Side is what aged best. Mm, true of, of of those kind of eighties uh, nineties comics. Uh, yeah, or comic strips. I agree. I definitely agree with that. I also mm-hmm. just thought that is Norman. Norm the Norman is also a Mormon, and I'll say that ten times. How would that? It, it just how is. would that? How would that possibly work? In what what year is what year are the Normans active? Uh, from like the nine hundreds onward, so like nine eleven onward. You know, if they were Mormons, <laughs> I I I guess that would kind of make Joseph Smith right because yeah. Mormonism has an issue of, uh, <laughs> let's say, provenance. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and and a complete lack of any basis in any kind of history. I feel like that would be a big win for the Mormons if they if there was any evidence of the Book of Mormon, say before the eighteen hundreds. Right, it would be a big win, but unfortunately, it won't be because they're not Mormon; they're Christian. Well, later Christian, later. Well. Well, uh, clearly not late. Clearly not late enough. <laughs> I guess, yeah. They're they're, so, they're no Latter Day Saints. Mm, true. But yes, okay. So the Normans, the, the Normans, the, the French refined Vikings. So at at what point have they been kind of Christianized? Like what? Um, like what? What what sort of appeals to them about it, or is this mm. just the the inevitable push of of Southern Europe trying to convert everyone they possibly mm. can? This is going. This is actually a an interesting history behind mm. it, and it's one that I'm gonna I'm gonna have to lay out some context for before we get into it because without it, it doesn't. It's a little mm-hmm. confusing. Um, mm-hmm. but I it's really it's honestly something that comes out of treaties and mutual get mutual benefit hmm. which is kind of bizarre in this okay. time period it, it, okay. it's like and and we'll see who is the one that pushes for this and why this even happens in the first place and why the french are kind of cool with them settling there and becoming a part of the area but 
in unlike the southern in southern europe pushing for total um uh what I, we'll just go with baptizing in the sense. I, I don't think it's this push. Like, it's not Char- Charlemagne standing over his enemies like, are you going to convert? Nope. Okay. And then cutting their heads off. Mm-hmm. It's okay. which which is actually where we're going to be. But it, it is more, hey, wouldn't it be great if you had this land and, like, were baptized? Right, and stuff? right. Well, but, but also, but also Christ- Christianity at that time you know, basically being Catholicism, it's it's pretty metal. There's like, you know, oh, yeah, it's hardcore. This this wine is blood. You know, you could kind of see the appeal of it. You're like, huh? So I'm I'm drinking the blood of my savior, and I get to not work one day a week. Yeah, sign, I mean, it was a kind sign, of sign, sign me sign me up. Well, like even by this point, though, like people relevant, like Viking and, and like. Dane and Norwegian um, or Norse warlords who are starting to convert to Christianity by the end of the like early Viking wars in, in Britain, so like in the 900s and such. Like there was yes. this kind of push to, hey, this God stuff doesn't sound too bad, or like, hey, you know, this this Christ figure okay. seems pretty metal. Okay. Like there was already this kind of transition because remember, like in when they were when li- like Life Erickson is is a devout Christian. You know, which I always thought was pretty interesting, mm-hmm. or like some of these people are very into Christianity and and pushing for that. But I don't think is there, and and I could be very wrong on this. This isn't something I'm an, I'm an expert on, let's say. But like, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think you're gonna get that push for full um, conversion mm-hmm. until a little mm-hmm. later, like for the Crusades, okay. because we're okay. close. We're gonna get close to where the Crusades kick off, and I think it's gonna be kind of a conversation that we should cycle back to towards the end after getting to when the Normans are founded. But before we got to do that, I think it's worth even talking about just who they are and how they get there. Cause they're unlike the Franks who have their history of the Gauls and the whole Roman involvement, which we're not really going to focus on too much because it's also Mm -hmm. an entirely different, interesting history. The Normans show up there just like the Danes showed up in England or the potentially potentially the Swedes or Sc- early Scandinavians showed up in Russia. Specifically, though, this area of Normandy, which I only know because I watched uh, too many World War II movies at a young age and they kept <laughs> mentioning it. And I thought it was in Scandinavia. Uh, until I realized that the landing of Normandy was in France. And the reason I thought this, though, was because I knew what the Battle of Hastings was in 1066 with William the Conqueror and his Normans, his army ah, of Norman okay. Vikings, because I played Age of Empires 2 when I was like 10, and I was obsessed with it, because history. And I was like, oh, 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 that makes sense. Because I was like, how is a French how is a French soldier a Viking? That doesn't make any sense. Like they're not from the same area at all. It's like completely different. Yeah, they they seem they, they seem aesthetically clashing to say the least. Well, yeah, exactly. But what actually ends up happening is the Normans were actually Vikings. So originally they're Vikings who were settling the northern coast of France, and this was a partially because of this this exodus of Scandinavian peoples that we're seeing at that time, you know, all these Vikings, all these travelers, settlers, traders going west, going east, and just leaving these northern realms and going towards like Britain and Ireland and Russia and so on mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. settle and, and trade and, and raid, you know. Um, so right. these Vikings, though, in particular, were 
pro- were primarily of Danish descent as well as Norse and some Swedes as well. And uh-huh. as they begin to head into this region, though, they first focus specifically on raiding up and down the coast as well as moving through the riverlands. And as we remember with the specific uh, Viking longships or the Snekias, which is the one that we're more uh, focused on, they can yeah. easily traverse through these rivers, and France has a lot of rivers. So mm, it was very, yes. very easy to get into the Riverlands, get into the Frankish countryside, ravage it, and then leave. And they were doing mm-hmm. this like well, like in this or late 700s, and for sure during the 800s as well. Mm-hmm. Essentially, what starts to happen is they settle on these coastlines that they're raiding, and are like, "Hey, this beach is pretty cool. Let's just stay mm-hmm. here." And because of this, and because they're actually settling down, the, the Frankish people living in the area at the time can kind of get a good idea of, okay, there's invaders here now. Because it's, it's kind of hard when you have all these people that are traversing rivers and, and oceans and whatnot, attacking you and leaving. And so what they dubbed them, and what they gave them as a title was the Normans, because it is kind of a butcher translation into Northmen. Yeah, I, I forget specifically oh. how that goes, but that's where it actually comes from. Because it would have been, you know, they came from the north. That was very clear where they were coming from. So hence, Norman. Northman. Ah, Literally take out okay. the TH and you got Norman. So That is weirdly intuitive. I, right? It works. <laughs> it's very bizarre. Um, yeah. And so, you know, what's interesting... So though, I, w- I mm-hmm. wasn't entirely off when we... Uh, had our exhibit talking about the sea people and i yeah. really really badly wanted to call them the seeple yeah i guess not <laughs> this would have been a situation yeah. of, as well um yeah. it's weird weird naming mm-hmm. devices but it it stuck yes. so yes. you know but before like they were named this as it was happening at the same time but like raids are going on that are pretty intense well before we're going to get to any treaties or any sort of sit down conversation that we'll eventually get to as i mentioned and one Mm -hmm. such raid that i kind of wanted to mention or that i wanted to mention was uh the raid on paris in 845 which is when a huge viking army attacked paris sacked it finally got through and actually stole a bunch of stuff and it was a mess um, and, and we do have written record of that happening. It did occur. And it's kind of wild because it's, you know, Paris is kind of at the time like situated itself on the river. So they, it was difficult in a way to siege because you'd have to do so from boat or come in from land. But how do you kind of, how do you do that <laughs> specifically with the yeah. technology available at the time? And they figured it out. The, the show Vikings does this in a very Game of Thrones-esque way. It's supposed to be this like huge crazy 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 battle um Mm -hmm. and it's really good it's a good it's a good action scene but i don't know if it is that i don't know if it would have been that big but it's honestly possible so that's one just reference to this because just like we kept talking about this is another kind of situation where a show is trying to dip its fingers into too many pies of of historical situations and there's that there's this one character who is the main point in this in this in this scene named rollo and rollo rollo keep that in the back of your head okay. because that's kind of where we're moving to because It'll that be is an actual character my head go, oh, there you go so mm. anyway though regardless of talking about history channel's odd show that i watch too much of uh, <laughs> so they, yeah they essentially those started off as raiders and settlers but would end up becoming their own ethnic group, kind of similar to what happened with in the Kievan Rus, where there was this intermingling, these people getting together, blending culture, blending 
you know, practices and then it just kind of linking up and it became something completely different. So, you know, cause they're intermingling with and, and blending with the cultures of the, the current Frankish peoples in the areas, as well as Roman Gallic peoples still living mm-hmm. there as well. And so through treaties with the French King Charles and his successors, this is actually going to become one of the biggest, fi- there are, they're actually going to become one of the biggest fighting forces and defenders of the French crown later on and definitely into the 10th and 11th centuries. Ah. But of course, this is due to the impact of multiple people settling here, but one of which is going to take a pretty large spotlight in history. And as I just mm-hmm. mentioned, that rolling around character, who I said to keep in the back of your head, yes, that would be... And he is filled with caramel. Okay, yeah. That's yeah, a have look. You ever have, a, have you ever had a Rolo? It's a candy? Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah. No. Yeah, it's like... It, it's like kind of shaped like uh it's kind of shaped like a bell or like a um No, I've never had this. Oh, yeah. Oh. It's uh yeah, the Rolo. It's uh it's it's oh. chocolate with caramel inside of it. Oh. I I see is, I only is, is is there any relation to it? Is this like uh um well, I'm is is this like the Babe Ruth bar of? I guess because we we're gonna talk about Rollo of Normandy. Fast forwarding to the date of nine eleven. I yeah, uh, CE though. Never forget. Never for, yeah. Um, it's it's one of these things. It's like when when doing this research, I was like, you know, this date comes up so much, and I was like, it does not. This is gonna be a very bizarre translation for it, but mm-hmm. it, regardless, so. Our story of Rollo, this character, it actually begins with his defeat, interestingly enough, at the hands of the Frankish king Charles the Simple. Not a great name. No, I have to no. say, Charles now, the w- Simple. Now, this was, now this is in 9-11? This is in 9-11, yeah. Wow, you know, everything changed after 9-11. You know, it's true. And also in this case, even back then it did. It is very true. Uh-huh, uh-huh. King Charles is also part of that bloodline to to Charlemagne, by the way, just to give oh, some kind of context. Okay, I'm like, okay. you know, I, which I think is pretty interesting. This is all kind of the same family, relatively, because it wasn't that long ago, which is kind of bizarre. Um, oh yeah, no, all all of these, all of these these famous uh, people in European history. That's always the weird thing is like you can trace them yeah. as being related to someone else. You know, it's the, so bizarre. That's, that's just how royal fam. I know that's just how royal families work, but like, yeah. It, it's it's always it's always just so interesting. It is, it is. Um, but in the case of of this, after defeating Rollo and his raiders and all these kind of raids that all these raids that are happening mm-hmm. on on Paris in France and all over, the king decides a different tactic because unlike what the British did or the Anglo Saxons did, because they're not technically mm-hmm. British. And just keep fighting and pushing back and just kind of executing people and, yeah. and force converting. Charles has a different approach, and his is, oh, let me let's like talk it out. Let's talk. Mm-hmm, let's mm-hmm. Uh, let's invite Rollo in. Let's have a meal. Let's chill. Let's vibe a little yeah. bit. Smoke session maybe, and mm-hmm. just like work it out. And so what he decides to do is, you know, he invites him in. They have their smoke session. Do whatever they want to do. I have no idea if they do, but I kind of picture it that way it's fun mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're picturing a real like um the 
like Lord Lord of the Rings, like a council council type meeting. Yeah, I think. I think well, you know, like they that. were really they were really angry at the French because the French didn't support war after nine eleven, which is why they had to change mm. the name from French fries to Freedom Fries at the commissary. Wait, is that is that actually true? That that's a that's another nine eleven joke. I'm just oh, full oh. of them right now. <laughs> Oh god! You know, but because the French are also getting roped into this, this is their own fault. Oh my gosh! You know, though, I'm gonna be honest. I wouldn't have put it past that happening in America. If it, it doesn't matter. We're not gonna. No, no, that did that did did, happen. The freedom, right? They did actually change it. The freedom fries. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah, because because France didn't support um, the war in Iraq. Right. Oh my God, Jesus Christ! Yeah, so so they were like, France doesn't support America. We're gonna call them Freedom, Freedom Fries Fri- now. Oh my God! And they're like, keep it. We don't care because it's not related to us. Oh Jesus! Like a lot like Iraq to nine eleven. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh God! But, but yeah. So anyway, he sits down. They have this conversation, and basically, what Charles, the King Charles, suggests is. He negotiates with him, offering him mm-hmm. a section of land and title in exchange for loyalty and defending both the riverlands and coast from other invaders mm. who were still attacking the areas. Because Paris is still a big, growing city, and they cannot afford for it to keep getting attacked. So what's kind of happening, in all honesty, is yeah. the French kings are just like, this is annoying. We're fed up. Like, this is annoying. Right. Right. Like, it's kind of like mosquitoes yeah. that keep biting you, and it's getting worse. You know, it mm. wasn't just like, at first it was doable. It's just villages. Oh, now it's cities? Nah, nah, nah. That's not going to fly. Is there any strategic advantage to where Paris is geographically? Because um, they seem to keep having this problem. I don't want to yeah. victim. I don't want to victim blame the French. <laughs> oh, um, God. But okay, so the, the you put the people in. It's, if I'm if I'm understanding what you're saying, the mm-hmm. people they're like, "Huh, you're really good at invading us from the coast." Well, now you're in charge of the coast. Um, <laughs> why, why France or why well, uh, not? You know what? Yes, why France? But also, why why is Paris where it is? Uh, in in that sense, like mm. it's not. I mean, I I understand it's you know on a river and everything. Yeah, but and that and that's good for trade and stuff. But yes, they 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 seem to keep. Uh, well, they seem, they, they it, it just kind of seems to keep slipping through their fingers. Yes, however, in this case, it kind of worked out. Okay, interestingly enough, and it but it was a big gamble that was Mm. a bold move right like basically you know this is i don't know what the geographical advantage to paris is i want to say because it's on a river and it's it's location with soil it's probably good um you know it's highly fortified it's easily defendable in that way but they got a little cocky with it but Mm. the thing was it's kind of like okay well we could keep fighting our enemy here and dealing with everything else that's going on politically, mm-hmm. or okay. we can convince this guy to unite a group of people or these peoples. We don't actually know if this person totally exists, but we'll get to that in a moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, convince them to 
unite their people to help us and basically make this alliance and that way hmm. it's two versus everybody else because if if they ally with them then they can go after england they can go after all these other countries spain wherever and just not france and they end up benefiting each other i like to think of that as almost what france later the actual country of france will do in like canada or North mm. America in particular. It's this weird, it's this very interesting strategy that I feel like keeps showing up through history. And it, mm-hmm. in this case, has a lot less consequences, but more for other people, I guess. Right, right. So I think it's partly yeah, the, that. So you're saying the Acadians could have really used uh, yeah. some, some Norman chaperones? Mm, probably. Okay. I guess that okay. might have worked out. Yeah, that's a that's a yeah a a, a French French Canadian history joke for all of you listening. <laughs> very nuanced, very 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 specific. Um, yeah. but, but then we wouldn't have Cajuns. That's true. That is true. Yeah. Uh, we, we're gonna have to talk about that at some point. Very interesting. Yeah. It's a history I well, don't know I mean, a lot about, it, but one too. Well, ba- basically, the entire thing would be recounting the uh, song Acadian Driftwood. Ah, okay. Yes. I guess I'll just, yeah, because we'll have to just go listen then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll just be an entire exhibit of us listening to that song. <laughs> There's not any copyright no, issues with that. No, not at all, not at all. It's um, for educational purposes, Robbie. <laughs> leave leave us alone, it's fine. Leave, leave us alone, we're here for the memory of Levon Helm and Richard Emanuel and Rick Danko, mm-hmm. you know, Rest in peace. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So in, in continuing, though, with their story on the origin story of the Normans, I think it's time to kind of talk about this character or this person, Rolo, who I keep mentioning and not the candy specifically that I just found out about. Yes. So the name Rolo in particular is a French translation to Hrolfer, of Hrolfer, which is an old Norse name. So... Okay. The fact that he was Hrolfer the Warlord and is now Rollo of Normandy. Okay. Kinda it's okay. like it's like when you saw, when you see Star or like, you know, uh Game of Thrones season one and then Game of Thrones season two, it's like, well, all these people are there. Like somebody had to survive. So it's like obviously like yeah. something had to happen where Well, yeah, it's the <laughs> you know the the very existence of you know sequels to movies exactly exactly You're like yeah so yeah. in this case it, obviously it's gonna go well but regardless but he he ch- he changed his name he he, he changes on, his name yeah he t- he takes on a, a French sona yeah actually yeah he he does and with that you know also adopting Christianity because that ends up being a part of um the deal so to speak. But you know, so this 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 character These goddamn study abroad kids that come back and want you to like say their names, uh, <laughs> the European versions of it. Yeah, you will only be calling me Giuseppe from now on. Thank you very much. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, I can be Alexander. Yes, Alexander, love it. <laughs> the best. Um, hi there. My name is Colby White, and I'm one of the hosts from Force Football Facts. A podcast where my friend Zachary and I force our other friend Tyrell to give us insights into the game, even though he doesn't know anything about it. We use our humor to bring you weekly football news in a new way that takes fan opinions into account, while also helping new fans understand why we love this game so much. 
You can check us out on our website, forcefootballfacts.com, or wherever podcasts are available. Hope to see you soon. So the, the only thing, though, with this character, it's kind of gonna it, it kind of falls into this problem that we've had with these Norse legends or these people that are written down in history, but are also kind of mythologized. And yes. the scholar Robert Ferguson puts this really well by stating, and, mm-hmm. I, and I actually quote, Rolo is another one of those like Ragnar Harry breaches and Ivar the Boneless who prominence among their contemporaries conspired over the years with an almost complete lack of biographical information to transform them from ordinary mortals into dense hybrids of men, myth, and legend. Hmm. Okay. So, so some of these people could be amalgamations of multiple individuals. Yeah, it's totally possible. We don't entirely know. So there isn't, there isn't this full, we we know someone like this existed. We know that there is a possibility that this person was this person that's written about, but there's also this strong, fantastical element to it as well. So there's potential that it's not true or there's elements that are mythologized or whatnot, but it could also just be in, you know, an amalgamation, like you're saying, that this, this compiled over time into the story we know today. Mm-hmm. So I find mm-hmm. that very, very interesting as well. And that's also mostly because it's coming from a lot of the sources behind all this bio, you know, this this information, since we don't have a lot of biographical information with um, Rolo's relationship to the king to King Charles. It's actually coming from the Dudo of Saint Quentin, which is written in the 10th century by um, okay. by the author Dudo. I'm pretty sure. So these serve as these kind of, as this this historical record, kind of secondary sources, but yeah. And it's a yeah. lot later after everything happens. So I don't quite know how much of that is going to be true or not, which is why I think making it kind making it clear that, hey, you know, this happened, stuff like this happened, but we don't actually know the the day to day aspects or the how the treaty went or what Rolo was like right. or if they even existed. But mm-hmm. all of that being said, there is a Normandy and it does come from vikings becoming um their own ethnic group mixed with french speaking peoples or early french speaking peoples and because of something like this that happened and and in the narrative version it's rollo arguing back and forth with the king and eventually getting land title as the duchy of normandy as well as his, as the king's daughter gisela's or gisel's gisla or gisela's hand in marriage and he has to be baptized, to which, assumingly, he does, and this changes everything. Mm. So, whether or whether or not it's true, the Normans do become Christian. That starts to change pretty drastically. That Norman society is something that encourages Christianity and embraces it and becomes pretty close with their neighbors, that and Frankier. Okay. And okay. I think... This is kind of this is to answer your question from before mm-hmm. in regarding was this something that was more um a an aggressive push or take, or is this something that was of this more neutral understanding and just wanting to? And I think there's this this just cultural exchange that's actually happening mm-hmm. and ends up changing how one culture is to another, but also makes it mm-hmm. an entirely different one 
Because it's not, it, yeah. it's like the Normans are their own group of people. They just are very tight with the French and help them, or the early French, because they're not really the French yet, but you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that's what I, I, I think it's it's interesting, because just like in the Kievan Rus, where you're having these like Rus Vikings who then become the bloodline to, um, you know, like Ivan the Terrible and all these other people, these other Russian emperors. It's a similar thing here where you have a Norman bloodline that started mm-hmm. with Vikings and ends with like, and it keeps going with William the Conqueror, who's going to take wow. England. And that's a strange workaround because if you think about yeah. it, it's like, we've been talking about the fighting in, in Britain and we're going to go back there in a moment, but it's like, it all ties back to the person it's who's so, going it, to come it's, in. It's all, it's all totally dominoes. It's yeah, exactly. The, the, it's, it's the, the assassination the assassination of archduke ferdinand that leads to uh tentacle porn you know <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's it's kind of why it's why we have rendezvous in the english language and why we have french words in the english language because in- exactly it's no so this bizarre. is well this is the thing that fascinates me about english and why we have so many synonyms as it is like this specifically was the thing that i enjoyed learning the most about in high school english mm-hmm. was the the way that english is stratified that yeah we have two simultaneous languages going at once yeah um that we have a a la- a words that mean basically the same thing but are considered common Mm. And then words that are uh, mean basically mean the same thing, but have a connotation of being more sophisticated. Yeah, and and it all and it all comes back to this. This mm-hmm. is this is where you know Viking history stops feeling like sort of an irrelevant, um, just sort of. Uh, sidebar of history that's just sort of fun to 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 look at and speculate about and this is this is showing how this directly affects English and yeah and that that language and the way that we use language as English speakers has shaped the world in a sense yeah exactly and it's you know what I find fascinating is 1066 is like is in history that marks the end of the Viking Age, and it's the Battle of Hastings. I don't know if yes. it's specifically because of that, but I'm going to assume it is because that's when William the Conqueror defeats Harold Godwinson or Harold the Saxon in said mm-hmm. battle and conquers England. And now yes. we have these this these words, and the, you know England speaks French for a period of time, and it's 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 so interesting though that it's all connected in this way. Oh yeah. The history of the language we're speaking right now is connected mm-hmm. to the history that we've been talking about for most of this time. The fact mm-hmm. that because a group of people signed a treaty and got together yeah. and formed, we now have all these words is really interesting to me. Also, yeah. what would have happened if they didn't? If they just said no, we're gonna exactly. keep exactly, yeah. It's like, crazy. would would we have would we have more Germanic? English. Yeah, because Anglo-Saxon English or old, you know, older English, like what Beowulf mm-hmm. is written in and such, mm-hmm. is like not. It does not sound the same. It's it's. I I think there's also the they wouldn't have understood each other like Danes and and 
and Anglo-Saxons wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. have understood each other, but it was yeah. kind of similar. Like there were similarities because of yeah. their Germanic languages and they're from the same area. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Well, also like, I mean, a lot has been said too now that like we want to look at someone like Genghis Khan and like there, there's that I'm trying to remember who wrote it, but there's like a very haunting quote that's like, you know, if if Genghis Khan had made it, you know, out of Asia mm. or out, out of out of East and Central Asia this book would not be written in a European language. That's crazy. Like, it's it's haunting to, to think about. Like, if, you know... Because, you know, it, it got pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. It got... Yeah, I... There, there's... There are... And places he went still feel the effects to, these day, to this day. And those are places that are... Like, Iran. Like modern mm-hmm. countries you know yeah. yeah yeah i mean like hungry as yes. well literally like, yes. because that's where some of the dialect comes from which i always think is so interesting mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it's it's incredibly fascinating and it that's why i think it was necessary to even you know in wrapping up our entire series on the vikings mm-hmm. rather than starting with the normans i find it interesting to end with them because yeah. they are essentially what the vikings turn into they become an, yeah. an ethnic group prominent in the West, as, of course, the Kievan Rus do too, but it's different. It's a different situation because they're not necessarily yeah. a big fighting force. They just transition into the Russian Empire, yes. but it's also similar here, whereas the Normans maintain this identity of being Norman for a while, and then it fades mm-hmm. into when France kind of unifies as a kingdom, as a huge kingdom. But, well, you know, they're going to go on to invade places like Sicily and, of course, England, like I mentioned before, and all these yeah. other surrounding areas. But there's, you know, the Viking history is not that far off. It was only like, you know, it's probably a, the difference of 100 to 200 years, depending on which way mm-hmm, you're going. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's so interesting that it just yeah. adapted. It was like one group got lucky, adapted, and ended up moving in an entirely different direction. You know, this even goes back to our conversation on Vinland because we want to figure out in history as we learn more and more, like, what are the stories that we focus on and why are these things important? And in some some metric, you know, kind of is lasting impact, you know? Yes, yeah. And in that sense, you know, the Normans, even if they are not like the pure distilled you know viking ideal that we kind of expect from history they are perhaps the most influential yes part of the of the legacy of exactly uh of the vikings you know because i think we want to think of very when we want to think of scandinavia now it's you know we want to think of tranquil sod roofs and people combing their hair with combs made out of cow horn yeah you know um Mm -hmm. and and uh and death metal yeah it's um that it it's it's sort of you know i i I, I'm fascinated by the duality of those of those two uh, images. <laughs> yeah, 
also the same. I, mm-hmm. but I think yeah, what you're bringing up is very interesting. That this this it's it's kind of like what what withstands, you know, what remains yes. the test of time and actually has changed as well. Whereas like in Vinland, I, you know, we were mentioning that. Yeah, they didn't do anything. Nothing changed. Nothing happened. So yes. Therefore, it was almost it was literally insignificant. It's just fascinating. Yeah. It, it's mm-hmm. only interesting for the sake of hey, they got there. It's not interesting yeah. in the fact of oh wow, they changed something. Whereas yeah. here, the Normans changed changed the world literally, and mm-hmm. and for better mm-hmm. or for worse, we'll never know. But it's yeah, you know, and and of course, it's it, there's a lead up to this, right? Like it's not yeah. just okay, the Normans, you know, in 9-11 become the Normans and all of a sudden it, it is what it is. It's like, yeah, it, you know, Denmark and Norway become their own kingdoms, much like Sweden was, but instead of kind of keeping to themselves, they move out and do their own thing. Norway's going to be also kind of functioning as its own independent place, but Iceland is now being occupied and Greenland's soon going to be colonized and settled and such. But mm-hmm. in Denmark, they're moving towards England again and Ireland and Scotland and or Pictland yeah. at the time and like under King Canute who is reigning from or King King Canute the Great actually which is the title mm. given to him which is if you're Canute. the great you were yeah the great Canute literally um <laughs> and this this his reign picks up actually right when um life is returning and from Vinland or going back and then Thorfinn Carl Stephanie is going to Vinland as well whenever that is assumed in the saga so yes. like 1016 so 1016 to 1035 is the reign of King Canute and yeah. with it bringing treaties and military strength and the return a brief 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 return of Viking raiders actually in mm-hmm. England and in Britain oh, okay. and all over the isles and it's the first time in a while because after around the early 900s, you know, with a, with the armies of of Danish soldiers and Viking pirates and so on, you know, they're converting or leaving and, and kind of adapting back. And there's this brief moment of peace. But this then starts a conflict again to maintain control over what they had uh, or what the Danes had over England and the setup. Dane law that was there, which is basically a section of English territory or Anglo-Saxon territory that was given to them to kind of do their own thing. They could just run their own civilization. Ah, okay, uh, okay. And, and it worked for a bit, and then it didn't. Okay, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So under Canute, though, it's this. Okay, we're going to reinvade. We're going to do so in a huge force because his father was doing that, and then he takes the negotiation path as well and starts to con- starts to cut things off and use force and Im- intimidation and also killing off family members of the Winchester line to make sure. So what I also think is fascinating and terrible is remember how I talked about King Alfred in, I think our first section of the tour in regards to the Viking Wars and his, he was in Wessex, right? So the Mm -hmm. lineage of, royalty from wessex which is really one of the most main control factors of what we would look at as modern day england their bloodline goes to normandy a lot of them Mm -hmm. tried to escape and some did Mm -hmm. but a lot didn't because canute Mm -hmm. made sure they weren't going to challenge because an english king could challenge him for control over england because the ones who were there just kind of gave it to them under my understanding, I'm sure this is a much more <laughs> this is a much more complex political situation, and I'm doing yeah as simple. I'm trying to simplify this as much as possible to my own understanding as well, because it's it's kind of 
it, it, it's just messy. It's messy for lack of a better word. Yeah. But so for, for what I wanted to get at though was for a brief moment the Vikings do come back, but it's not the same. Even though it's it's you know there's they're sieging London, they're attacking Winchester again, and all these towns and even other areas. It's only for a brief amount of time. And it's not long after that the Normans come with William the Conqueror and take it all over, and it just completely falls apart. And mm. the Kingdom of Denmark retreats and does its own thing and holds actually a close relationship right in medieval Europe, and then they end up functioning quite well. But yeah. it's it's they, not uh, the same. It, they, it's not the same. Was it like the Prince of Denmark or the Prince of Norway that knighted that penguin? Uh, I don't know. I want, but but you know what? You're doing pretty good if you're you know not knighting penguins. I mean, uh, was it uh, Caligula that put a, a yes. horse on the Senate? The se- yeah, what a crazy yeah. guy. But that... but but when when the Scandinavians do it, it's cute. It's, it's fine. You know, it's fine. Caligula was you know doing some other stuff behind the scenes that you know makes the yeah. horse thing less cute. Yeah, that was oh god, dark. Mm-hmm, doesn't even mm-hmm. begin to describe it but yeah it, it it's all this that like it's this the end of the viking wars really brings a lot of political turmoil mm-hmm. but also a lot of just trade merchantilism the idea of settling in places culturally exchanging and selling goods yeah. it's the it's the norse showing up in ireland attacking them a lot and then setting up stores and trading with them for brief periods of peacetime same right. thing in the kievan rus and the same thing even in france where well you... even even with the crusades which were you yeah. know objectively a failure in the sense of let's regain control of the holy land right but you know Italy and all these other places are like getting trade deals, yeah. you know, through the whole thing. Yeah. You know, there's there there is like business being done even in 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 like a it, it, the idea of like a historic loss. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of it, it's very it's a weird feeling. I never quite understood mm-hmm. how to feel about that because and I think it's yeah. you should Personally, the way I'm seeing it is to feel a similar way that we do now, where there's mm. lots and lots of conflict all of the time, but then there's still people who are doing business and, you know, people go hang out and they do things even in times of war or crisis, right? And yeah, maybe it's me, maybe I'm the only one that thinks this way, but I, I think oftentimes because history is kind of a, it's a, highlights track right or it's the this is the thing that happened but it's just because it was the important (laughs) event because since we're sticking with the music metaphors it's you know there's so much other stuff that's going on at the same time right like Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. hastings is around the corner i'm sure someone some farmer in denmark or jutland is like hanging out and tending to their wheat and has no idea that any of this is going on or even somebody in northumbria is just you know making shoes or or cutting wood and and building right. furniture and i think the the idea of medieval society as a society that is just existing and mm-hmm. functioning and doing their mm-hmm. own thing is so fascinating to me because per, I, I was never taught that to think that way mm-hmm. i was always taught of it as like a, again it's okay crusades okay hastings fighting violence plague you know god and that's it 
but mm-hmm. and that's why I didn't like it because it was annoying. Right? I don't, I don't want to talk about Dark Age and Gothic architecture later on. I want to talk about I don't know uh, the, the what's going on in the East or what's happening in the, in the Golden Age of Islam or what's what's up with the Romans again. That was pretty interesting mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. when they talk about life, you know, you're talking about civilization and creation and just everyday tasks. And I think when we start to look at that, even with the Vikings as businessmen. Because that's kind of what they—that's kind of what they ended up becoming, or even just yeah. settlers. Well, but like, There's... can't you kind of like picture them? It's like them showing up to a business meeting. They're wearing suits. Yeah, they still have like really long, like ZZ Top beards. Yeah, helmets. yes, or just man like the buns in the back and everything, or you know, in braids. You know what? I'm saying this, and I feel like that idea. I can't even take credit for that because that I think literally is a gary larson comic where it's like (laughs) the vikings are coming and it looks like they mean business and there's a bunch of vikings marching but they're carrying briefcases oh that's so good that's once again once again gary larson comes out on top on that that's so true but it's it's, that's a great visual image too because that's what it was that's what it is it it was really though you know yeah like you're you're going and invading these places and and setting up and I, i mean again there's a lot of horrible things happening behind the scenes with slavery mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and stealing and killing and you know all kinds of terrible things that I don't want to just gloss over either because yeah I think in tying this back to our earliest conversation about it in the start of the tours was why we look at them why we look at the Vikings in this way today is it because of mm-hmm. game of thrones is it because we need a different historical viewpoint of something or do we want to have that that you know i i don't something that hasn't been used yet that gives us this opportunity but it's not i don't think that that shouldn't happen it's not that it shouldn't be used i think it's kind of it's to take history as it is right there's goods Mm -hmm. and there's bad there may there might have been progressive movements happening within said or Norse or old mm-hmm. Norse societies, but there also could have been some, you know, not good ones either, just like the Romans or just like the Greeks, you know, even the concept of democracy, which I also think, you yes. know, it's the same idea. Like you, okay, yes, the concept is good, but let's look at the variables here. Or let's look at these other things mm-hmm, happening. Mm-hmm. But I think all of that being said, you know, this is what I think this all comes down to is, mm-hmm. you know, Viking businessman is a good way to leave that imagery off because it's essentially what happens. And it also ends up leaving to the entire change of languages as we know it and what we're speaking now to how trade routes are set up to what's going to happen in the Crusades to what's going to happen in English society and, and even Irish and, and Scotland ones and others, you know, it's so interconnected because the medieval world, early medieval world, I should say was interconnected in this way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, like one of the things that I've been it's been on my mind lately, and we mentioned it earlier, is uh, Beowulf. Mm, yes, yes. And Beowulf is, you know, it's written in, you know, a dialect of Old English. It's the, I think, the oldest written thing we have in mm-hmm. English or in a type of English. Yes. Just a a seminal uh, moment of English literature, and yet it is about it is about these uh, 
Scandinavian Viking uh, warriors. It's mm -hmm. not really about the English, or the, I mean, at the time, the Anglo-Saxons themselves. Right. Which is what's kind of fascinating about it. It's important cultural work about other people. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that that's the thing that's been, that I've just been sort of pondering lately. Mm -hmm. Um... In, in that in that sense and you know beowulf is also odd because we're not even entirely sure what parts of it are original is it because it has you know both references to pagan culture and christian culture right right but you you can't no one can seem to tell was this a pagan tale that had christian stuff grafted onto it Yes. Or was this a Christian tale that alluded to pagan stuff to set the scene? That's the thing. You know? I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And I, I, I don't it's like Well, I mean, yeah, that's but yeah, that that's the question, isn't it? You it know? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um Yeah, we we that's that's the thing I'm like, well, well anybody can have a take, right? It's one or the other. And I yeah. I think I think I want to believe it's the first one that mm -hmm. it's co-opted and changed just because that seems to be the trend with a lot of these written texts, especially Scandinavian yeah. ones. But we, we don't know. But I, but I think regardless I think, of that... I think consensus is that it is a blend. I, I agree. But mm -hmm. it's so interesting that there is this... You know, already, okay, so you have a text that's written in Old English talking about an entirely different group of people. Yes. Is fascinating right mm -hmm. as as early fiction or you know literary work is so interesting this cultural exchange already happening and interest you know of a different mm -hmm. group of people one that would have been invading said area and i mean like yeah. I, you know i think there could have been an awareness maybe of anglo-saxons knowing that area since they came from there but i don't know how much that's held on to i don't mm. think we talk about that enough to be honest that's not something that's so you know, we we you know we're talking about decolonial thinking and all of these things in society now, which is a very good thing, and we should. So I'm curious when that's going to come up with the colonization of Britain itself is very you know interesting, and maybe it's just not important. I don't know, but I think that also helps to this idea of maybe why they would have been interested or maybe not. But I don't know if we have any written sources of people at the time in England thinking about or what we now know as England thinking, Hey, you know, these Roman guys were pretty wild, but I, they left all this free stuff that we took, you know, or <laughs> I miss the homeland back in Jutland or, or under Denmark, you know, yeah, that's where yeah, they come these, from. So these, it's so, yeah, yeah. The, the Jutes and Frisians, you know? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm, that's another mm -hmm. place we didn't talk about it too, is free, free, Frisia, I think is the area that would be like, yeah, where... red, red, bad, red, bad. Red bad is like <laughs> I'm bad at all these references today, man. <laughs> Red bad. There's apparently a very terrible movie made about him. Oh, um, that I don't believe is highly recommended, but it does exist. Mm. Red bad, to my knowledge, is like the Frisian, sort of like the the foundational hero myth slash history like one of those guys that may have existed or right a 
or a group of people like him existed. Uh-huh. But it basically is supposed to it is like their their uh local their localized hero figure because he is one of these pagan tribal yeah. uh peoples, you know, sort of that living as as these raider warriors that right. is converted to Christianity by like the you know and goes to war with um like the grandfather of Charlemagne. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's well I I know I, I bring it up too because it's like that's one area we didn't talk about, but that's another place that would have been like before the Normans as well, that people were given land. Because apparently at this time like it was common for um those kingdoms like his Frisian kingdoms and even Frankish kingdoms mm-hmm, to start mm-hmm. granting warlords like this character, for instance, land yeah. under them. And this was yeah. something I was reading about. And I was actually really curious about is that they would basically say like, okay, you know, for your lifetime, you can get this and you can pass it to another landlord or warlord, landlord, same thing, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you, I don't think my you know what my landlord is not ready to pick up a sword and defend <laughs> me if we were about to inv- be invaded not yet <laughs> <laughs> but um you know they they could pass it on to people that they chose I think but they couldn't pass it on through a bloodline so they were like vassals but hmm. not entirely interesting and this is this is something I'm not entirely like you know this is some research that I'm aware of but I it's very interesting how things were starting to go down and how land was so easily given out and I mean this is feudalism yeah. right you know this is what's going down at the time I don't even think we yeah. talked about that but it's okay we can all just assume just watch Monty Python it's essentially the same thing or the Holy Grail <laughs> that get, that's a pretty solid depiction but regardless, yeah. regardless. so that was like another common element that was happening as well is that these kingdoms were just okay you know giving these people who are much more powerful like okay yeah you know you can have the land farm do what you need to do survive and uh leave us alone and you know it worked it Mm -hmm. didn't work some people took it some people didn't it i you Mm -hmm. know i wouldn't put it past some scandinavian or old norse warlords to be like yeah sure we'll take it and then the next year they just go kill everybody uh, cause <laughs> why would, you know, it's just take advantage of the land, but it, to some instances and to my knowledge, a lot of them did and it worked and it was fine. And Rolo in this case, it's something very similar or the Normans, cause we don't entirely know, right? This, this yeah. is another one of those examples, but it became a more tight knit relationship that ended up in this lasting effort to protect a mutual interest because they had their settlement and the French had their settlements and it then yeah. blended into one. And then later on, England and other places that were under their control. <laughs> so, but it's just interesting how it all starts with this idea of raiding and going and taking things and then getting some political influence and getting some friends and maybe not friends and f- seeing what you can gain from that. Because apparently extortion too is another thing that's so <laughs> huge at this point. Is that the lesson for today? No. That's a terror. I mean, it's not a good lesson. I think the I think the lesson is, I, I I think the lesson is in looking at the the early medieval world as this interconnected and interwoven mm-hmm. history mm-hmm. that involves 
a lot of perspectives, a lot of things happening at the same time, and a lot of people who are just living their own lives and doing their own things. And they might have been involved, they ended up getting involved in something that they didn't even know they were a part of that was going to change history forever, right? The, mm-hmm. and, and the Vikings in particular, and why I personally am so interested in this, is because I don't necessarily think that it was aware, just like with any of us, I don't think it's a, you're aware of if you're going to change history or not. I don't think you're aware of how much of a role you're going to play mm-hmm. and how culturally mm-hmm. important it might become, or interesting, let's say, because people obviously look at them through this lens of white supremacy or this lens of something else that isn't even real as an actual historical element. It's completely made up. But, you know, at that time, said people didn't know what was going to, that what you're going to do from raiding these places, what you're going to do from settling in Normandy or in England and, and conquering these places, but it ended up changing this massive course of history. But it also shows mm-hmm, again mm-hmm. that these, you know, quite literally just like regular people from the North could yeah. sail all the way across the world in advanced technological uh, ships that yeah. are also so simple at the same time mm-hmm. that, you know, wasn't doable till much later. It's, it's, it's more of yeah. this, I think for me, and for anybody here, I don't think it's if if you could leave with anything, I think it's to leave with the open mind of, whoa! So people really did like get around, you know, at yes. this time people were getting around, and not that it's about what the Vikings looked like, about who they were, or what their beliefs are, or what they're idolizing. It's about that idea mm. that this is just one group of people doing it, but there's other groups of people doing this all over the world, right? You know, that yeah, it's not yeah. just Western Europe. I don't want to just look at this through a Western European gaze, but I also think the Vikings are interesting in that way because it's a different group of people coming in from multiple different places as well in mm-hmm. the North, coming into a mostly Christian area at the time and challenging that idea. Yeah. So. No, no, it's 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 incredible. <laughs> it's it is interestingly humanizing, I think, to to paint history in that way. And no, I'm I'm so glad we got to mm-hmm. explore this. It's yeah. been a fascinating uh <laughs> uh voyage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Journey through history. No. Yeah, literally. I mean, we've been we've been everywhere. You know, we've been going all over the world. Yeah, we 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 have been we have been adrift, stuck in this uh, Viking longboat for you know three weeks. Yes, yes. Actually, that's where <laughs> going through all of the exhibits and also just in open water or are those just painted walls. We'll never tell. I'm real. Yes, I'm really like wanting to imagine a. A Willy Wonka style uh, Viking exhibit where you're yeah. going through some crazy tunnel in a Viking boat. That would be pretty great. I mean, that's kind yeah. of like what we got going on here because that was yeah, the only yeah. way to physically do this without taking a massive yeah, excursion. But, but f- we we harmed fewer children doing it. Yeah, no, no children were harmed here. Of course not. Mm-hmm, we have mm-hmm. that. We would be shut down. Yes, yes, we we do uh, obey certain laws here at mm-hmm. the Uncanny County Museum. Of course. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, wow. Holy cow, Joe. What Ugh. a what a bunch of research. 
Yeah, I feel... Thank you. It was a lot, and it was bothering me since December. So I've been trying to figure out how to do this. So, like, this was more like an exorcism. I guess. I told you, I don't really know why I'm so interested in this, but I think it's Mm going to take... This is going to maybe help me figure out that research, and maybe maybe I'll write a book on Vikings, or maybe it'll come up in an artwork. Who knows? There's, I always think when if you fixate on something, it ends up help like fixating on a period of history or something that's, you know, bothering or just so fascinating. In there's a way mm-hmm. to turn that into something either creatively or you know in terms of knowledge. Yeah. And I think for this, instead of just recounting things that other people have done and written about so much better than I could put it, it was almost a way of trying to figure out my own thoughts on the situation and why I'm also interested in Vikings, but share that instead of just making it about me or about us or about any of that. Cause I don't think it's mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. that important. I think it's more interesting to focus on some of this research and it's really, really interesting. It's pretty crazy <laughs> how all this goes. And, um, and like I've mentioned before, you know, I, um, if you're interested in this, uh, time period and specifically the Viking Wars from a historical perspective that's very well laid out and researched. Check out Max Adams, The Viking Wars. It's very good. I, I recommend or it. Or the History Channel series no. Vikings. You will be disappointed as you get to later seasons, but it is very entertaining. Check uh, out the film Thor Ragnarok. I like Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok is one of my favorite movies. It's so good. I don't know why, but it's so good. I've been watching the show Ragnarok. I just finished the season two, but I had to watch it in an English dub, which was annoying, uh, but it's okay. Um, uh, or also The Last Kingdom on Netflix. Netflix sponsor us. That would be amazing, but it's so good. They're so great. It's a great show. It's also historically accurate. One of these days, uh, some streaming service that contains all of the things that we recommend recommend all the time like uh-huh. needs to sponsor us yeah because real dolls i i don't think they're getting back i don't think so no and uh, we don't need them anyway it's fine yeah. but thank you all so much for mm-hmm. joining us on the this series covering the vikings i hope you learned something or we're just remotely interested in any of this. It is such a crazy history. There's I this is only scratching the surface without going 30 episodes in depth into it. Um mm-hmm. like I said those materials, really interesting stuff. You know, some of it fictitious, some of it not. Watch out for history that also tries to uh shape or change this in any way and also beware of people that say they're part viking it's a red flag please avoid it it's never a good thing just saying yeah so, yeah let's... and you know if you see something that's labeled hh maybe that's just because i did i have also realized that also i catch myself off guard and then i remember that oh that is denoting uh double humbucker pickup layout mm. on uh guitars oh interesting <laughs> as opposed to like hss hh hsh huh yeah interesting yeah. yeah so you know not all of this stuff is inherently bad just you know there's red flags to watch for exactly exactly yeah well, yeah, 
thank you again so much to Joe on this one. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you. Yeah, we'll be uh, back next time with a- another fun and exciting topic here mm-hmm. at the Uncanny County Museum. Uh, if you would like to find the museum after hours, we are at Uncanny Museum on Twitter and at Uncanny County Museum on Instagram, posting lots of dank memes all the time. Yes. We love hearing from you guys. If you have any suggestions or comments, we love incorporating those into uh, future exhibits. What have you got going on, uh, Joe? Um... Not too much. I am currently <laughs> waiting to hear back from some new shows, and I'll have some updates on that, hopefully, eventually. I'm starting a residency with SVA online, so of course I can continue to work here at the UCM. Uh, so I'm super psyched about that. Going to be a good time. Going to learn some new stuff and talk to some new people, which is always really fun, especially mm-hmm. in times such as these. Um, as always, you can check out the Midnight Drive available on radiopapese.org. And um, yeah, I think that's about it for me. What do you got going on, Zan? Um, I don't have uh, too much else lined up by the time people are hearing this. Uh, presumably, uh, my a, uh, the, the opening for Archie Natura has already happened. Mm. Um, but I'm sure uh, some other neat things will be uh coming up in fact one project in particular i'm excited to talk about later this summer once i get some details worked out Ooh, very exciting very Mm -hmm. exciting looking forward to it but other than that uh you can find me and my art at xanasaurus on uh instagram and you can find me at josemino art on instagram and from the uncanny county museum i have been zan peters And I've been Joe Cimino. And I've been Norm MacDonald. (laughs) Bye. Bye.